fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, John Wright, it is. Welcome into the program. What's up? It's a post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week as we carpe diem all over this place, baby. And what a day in media, in news and information it's been, really the last couple of days but for sure going into today and is it changing people's minds of course it's not we are so driven into our own ideas we are so head in the sand head in the mud whatever analogy you want to use we are so driven that if we get challenged on our views of the world then we become extremely defensive and it must be misinformation you are fake news. <laughs> and that's the way the Democrats start off the day today. Welcome into it. we got a lot to get to, obviously, with what's going on in the news. Murray Sabrin, bottom of the hour. He is the author of the book From Immigrant to Public Intellectual. We've had him on before. We'll get him on at the bottom of the hour. We're going to do an outlook of the latest current events in the news today on how it may be affecting the presidential 2024 elections next year. I know it's a bit far out, but we have to start planning these things. It's almost like a family vacation. You have to plan months in advance for it to actually come together, and still the kids just puke all over the back seat, and you have to clean that up the entire time, and they whine, and they complain, and you drag them to it and say, you will enjoy this. Do you know how much money we spent on it? <laughs> Welcome to the Democrat Party and the way they act with their temper tantrums. Welcome and broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen, we love you to death. Appreciate you hanging out with us as we do every single day. The headlines, obviously, of the day today. Everybody's talking about what's it, What's trending today? But there's an interesting twist to what's going on. But will it be the acceptance that Donald Trump has not committed any crimes? Or it is now here. It has dropped. And it might not have produced everything of what some Republicans hoped for. It, it is, regardless, devastating to the FBI and to a degree, it does exonerate Donald Trump. Yes, we're talking about the Durham investigation showing that Donald Trump did, in fact, not collude with Russia during the 2016 presidential elections. Wait a second. Hold on. What? He, he didn't? Are you, are you sure about that? Are you really sure about that? Because we were told for years that he had colluded with the Russians. In fact, he was impeached as president of the United States by the House of Representatives on the fact that he colluded with Russia from the information handed over by the Clinton information, and Barack Obama knew about it, Joe Biden knew about it. I know you already know this information, so we're not going to hash out all of that information again. However, now the question is, with the Durham report that's out, will this be changing the minds of people that were hell-bent, factual, yes, we know that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. Did this change any of their minds? Question is, no, it did not. No, it did not. Surprisingly, not surprisingly, sorry, not sorry, surprisingly, not surprisingly, it did not change anybody's minds because now we have two conflicting reports. We have the Durham investigation that just came out and we have the Mueller investigation where Mueller said that, yeah, we had a good evidence that Donald Trump colluded with Russia, that his children met with Russian agents, that they were looking on information against Hillary Clinton. So now we have the Mueller versus Durham report. We have fantasy versus reality report. We have the agenda versus factual information and factual report. We have, again, 
the duality in the universe, the duality in our American political system to where we have two different reports for each political aisle to get aligned with and say either yes, it was factual or no, it was not factual, making sure and solidifying the fact that every mainstream media outlet, every Democrat, every progressive out there that hates Donald Trump down to the fiber and DNA of their being can still say, well, look, the Mueller report is the factual one. The Durham investigation was a waste of time, a waste of $6.5 million of taxpayer money while Republicans call themselves the limited government people and therefore completely ignore this one because it was funded by Bill Burr and uh, the uh, Bill Burr, Bill Barr, thank you. I have my head apparently with stand-up comedians now. Bill Barr, the (laughs) former attorney general, and now John Durham where they've wasted all this money on a report that means absolutely nothing. I'm looking at, and the reason I bring this up is because now I'm looking at Twitter, where apparently the most conversation is allowed to be had out of all the social media sites. And I have two different pages pulled up. I have one pulled up on Twitter for the Mueller report. And then I have another page pulled up for the Durham report. And if you look through the hashtags of the Mueller report... I'm looking through here. There, uh, there are massive amounts of other uh, trolls, bots, liberal progressives, whatever, whatever they are on the Tweety, defending the Mueller report and going back and criticizing Republicans, criticizing Donald Trump, criticizing uh, the right side of the aisle and saying, look, the Mueller report showed the true information. And therefore, how can you deny the Mueller report by claiming the Durham report? That's the defense that they have is, oh, la, la, put the blinders on. The first one was the accurate one. Don't worry about the others. Adam Schiff as well has come out with a tweet himself saying the same thing too. Obviously, it was factual, 100% proof positive that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. Therefore, the Durham report means absolutely nothing, showing that there was not enough evidence to base Donald Trump colluded with anybody in any way, shape, or form during the uh, 2016 election. We know it. I know it. You know it, that it's a bunch of crap. But yet, they still double down and defend it because that has been their entire world. That is their being. That is who they are. And when you challenge someone on a core value, like you can be challenged a little bit with different policy. You can be challenged on how you go about certain things. You can have a conversation. Usually you can have a conversation about those, although it's getting more difficult on the uh, day by day. But when you get challenged with a core value, something that you truly honestly know down deep in your heart about something, whether it's a religious view, a philosophical view, a view of the world, a view about yourself, a view about your family, a core value of who you are and what makes you you. When someone challenges that, you get a little upset. You get a little defensive. And even to the point where you put the blinders on and ignore fact and reality and other information that hopefully would allow you to evolve and grow because you understand it. And now you can build on top of that. They don't want to do that. We have now shown them proof positive. After an entire year and six and a half million dollars in an investigation on did Donald Trump really collude with Russians and it came back that there was zero evidence in any way, shape or form of that actually happening. None whatsoever. They put on the blinders. It challenged their core identity and they say we can't allow this to be out. That first clip we played was CNN because one guy let it slip and well, it actually does kind of exonerate Donald Trump. They didn't want that. Boom, done. They cut it out. And instead, they double down and say, well, look at what the Mueller report showed. The Durham report's irrelevant. doesn't matter. We need to focus on the Mueller report. 
Now, why do I bring this up? Obviously, because it's the biggest story of the day, but also because it bleeds into something much deeper with the divisiveness and the way the media has portrayed this to set us aside in completely different realities. First off, though, Donald Trump did respond to this by saying that this did, in fact, change the 2020 election. But when I was coming up, you had... That was the wrong one. Let's try... uh, That would be this one here, clip number four. It's total dishonesty, and more than anything else, it affected the 2020 presidential election, much more so than the 2016 election. This affected the 2020 presidential election, just like stuffing the ballot boxes or any of the other things that took place. This is a disgrace, and they should do something about it, and that includes... Whatever you have to do about the presidential election. (laughs) I don't know exactly what that's supposed to mean. But uh, Donald Trump obviously uh, loving this because this does exonerate him. And I'm wondering if we're going to see any type of punishment. Now let's go a little bit deeper because whenever information comes out regarding something bad the Democrats have done, something the establishment has done that wasn't supposed to get out, something that was leaked that wasn't supposed to be out there, or in the media when they have to cover something that's negative against the side that they actually support, Democrats automatically have the plan in place, have the system intact where they go into the offense and they have to come out with something different. Right now we have the duality. We have reality and we have the lack of reality. We have fact and we have agenda. The two polar opposites right now, and the mainstream media is denying it while the podcasts and the radio shows and maybe a little bit of the media at least is talking about it to some way. But now you have, again, the Mueller versus the Durham. And the reason that's there is because they set it up that way to say, hey, look, one side spreading misinformation, because as soon as this comes out, what happens? They have to release an interview with none other than the man himself, Barack Obama, setting the tone for the entire conversation. The thing that I'm most worried about is the degree to which we now have a divided conversation, in part because we have a divided media. Barack Obama's interview with CBS News. We have a divided media spreading information, spreading misinformation. You are fake news. And one side is spreading misinformation, which is obviously their side, but they use that in the sense that, no, 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 the other side, the radicals. Remember, uh, according to Joe Biden, the MAGA crowd, the Republicans, the election deniers, the January 6th rioters and insurrectionists, the most radical political organization in the history of the United States. They are spreading lies, misinformation with the rise of media outlets like Newsmax and One American News Network and podcast shows and talk radio show hosts that are these radical fringe nut jobs. They're spreading these lies because we can't control the content and control the dialogue. So to Barack Obama, who always talks about things and then those seem to come to fruition because that's the next topical point for them to focus on and the agenda for them to try and focus on. He says right now the biggest fear that he has post-presidency is the divisiveness in the mainstream media or just media in general, the divisiveness and the lack of um, continuity between the two styles. But when I was coming up, you had three TV stations. Yeah. And... People were getting a a similar sense of what is true and what isn't, what was real and what was not. Today, what I'm most concerned about is the fact that because of the splintering of the media, we almost occupy different realities. If something happens in the past, everybody could say, all right, we may disagree on how to solve it, but at least we all agree that, yeah, that's an issue. Now, 
people will say, well, that didn't happen, hmm. or I don't believe that. And one of, I think, the goals of the Obama Foundation and, and one of the goals of my post-presidency is how do we return to that common conversation? How, how can we have a common set of facts? We may disagree on gun violence hmm. in terms of what the best prescriptions are, but we can't deny the data that right. says the United States has levels of gun violence that are 5, 10, 15 times more than other countries. Yep. So if we say that it's just a mental health problem, well, it's not like there aren't mental people with mental health problems in those other countries. What's the difference? Right. This is probably a difference. Uh, we can go down the gun conversation at a later time as well, because that's a really stupid remark for him to make as well. But the point is, is that, look, but when I, back in my day, when I was, uh, we only had three news t- cable TV channels. We had th- only th- three news outlets. And all of them were promoting the same agenda. All of them were promoting the same thing. The limited, finite amount of news and information, which is what they want. Why do you think they're pushing the Restrict Act to try and ban TikTok and other foreign-based social media sites where they can't control the content because the servers aren't based here in the United States? They want that control over the content. They've created that division by going so far woke and left with a political agenda in quote-unquote news reporting that's not really news reporting any anymore that when people can actually have access to the information on their own they lose that power and that control so therefore when a durham report comes out showing the exoneration of former president donald j trump they have to say that that's a waste of money it's fake news, and why did we even spend our time and resources to do that when we had a Mueller report that obviously proves Donald Trump is a criminal? This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason, common sense, rationale, that's what we're all about here on the program. Welcome in 24 minutes past the hour. So now we have two conflicting reports. We have the Mueller report where we know, based on text messages and conversations, that Mueller was a political bias type of individual that was going after Donald Trump uh, that said it did not have any type of reflection upon his report showing that he colluded with Russia. Now we have a Durham report... That shows that there's zero. Look, there's a difference between like, you know, there was maybe some controversial edit uh, um, information that could be discussed as. But there's none of that. There's like there's zero evidence. There was zero reason for them to go this direction. There was zero reason for them to come to this conclusion. There's nothing here whatsoever. Uh, and we need to exonerate Donald Trump. Obviously, that's not going to change anything in Washington, D.C. He's still impeached, and Adam Schiff and all these other hacks that tried to promote this and got him impeached uh, will not see any time behind prison bars or anything like that in any way, shape, or form. So now the question is why? Why at this time and why are they coming out with this and allowing this to come out and the media to even be talking about this? It's because it's the next agenda to Try and cancel out that alternative style of media. And it's all brought to you by the guy still pulling the strings behind the curtain, Mr. Barack Obama. But when I was coming up, you had three TV stations. Yeah. And people were getting a a similar sense of what is true and what isn't, what was real and what was not. Today, what I'm most concerned about is the fact that because of the splintering of the media, we almost occupy different realities. We do almost still live in different realities, don't we? We all live in different realities right now. In fact, we have five different witnesses that are opening to come out willingly 
to testify against Hunter Biden and the Biden family and the corruption that they have. That we know of with the connection to China, the connections with Russia, the connection with the Ukraine, and what they've done to sell out this country since the beginning of his political career in Washington, D.C. We have at least five known witnesses willing to do that openly, willingly, right now against the Biden family. We have multiple individuals that have been paid off by the Clintons and the Obamas and everybody else to come after Donald Trump with these allegations of sexual allegations or like this with the uh, Mueller reports and with the collusion with Russia. So we have paid off individuals where we've been able to track down the financial records. We have politically biased and politically motivated individuals that openly said they were politically motivated to try and uh, bring down a certain individual like former President Donald J. Trump that came out with a report. And now we have a real report showing it's an absolute nothing burger that we've known of all along. And yet they say, well, there's a divisiveness in the country that makes us live in different realities. And we really need to consolidate that information to where we all get on the same page here. In other words, like they say with everything else, we're the loving, happy, hunky-dory, sing kumbaya, hold hands. We're all about different ideas. We're all about people expressing themselves. We're all about people being able to identify however they want to, believe however they want to, think however they want to, feel however they want to. Unless you're a Republican. Unless you're a conservative Republican, unless you're one of those white supremacist Nazi guys that clings to your guns and your Bibles. Look, as you know, we've had on uh, individuals from the other side of the aisle. And in fact, I've partnered with a group called One Small Step and StoryCorps, as you know, and with their One Small Step, trying to show the humanity from both sides of that aisle. I'm all about differing ideas because as conservatives, we understand that nobody should be lock and step walking down the same aisle beating down the same path as everybody else and everybody believing and thinking the same way because that doesn't allow us to grow to flourish and to excel as a nation we're all about differing ideas and with the great compromise that we talked about just a few days ago on the program as well we're all about compromise we're all about having a hard dialogue and making what's best for this nation we are all about that on the conservative end of the aisle the other side has done everything in their power to demonize the other side, meaning us, the conservatives, the Republicans. When Joe Biden says we're going to unify the country, but yet these people over here are the most radical terrorists that we've ever seen, and they're probably domestic terrorists. And then Barack Obama says we really need to get rid of the other side of content and the other viewpoints in the country because we live in different realities. What do you think that agenda entails? Is it all harmonizing and working together? I doubt it. Reason with Andy Hoosier. When reason meets radio, this is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program here. Thanks for hanging out on the home stretch. Last half hour of the show already. Man, it flies right on by. Fastest hour of radio on, well, radio. Multiple radio stations all over the place. TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show, which we have some really exciting news to announce here soon. Still working out the details, but hang tight. More to come uh, on that one. So we have... The dueling reports right now. The Democrats embracing Mueller report. Oh, it's a Mueller report. Don't worry about the Durham report. That was just a waste of taxpayer money. We already have our information. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Don't look any further. The Durham report that came out yesterday afternoon shows that the Mueller report was a nothing burger. And in fact, there was zero evidence in any way, shape, or form 
of the collusion of Donald Trump and the Russians. So when it comes to the conflicting ideas, we have the offensive take that the Democrats do. Look, Democrats are really great at this. Republicans are horrible at this. Democrats come out and go on the offensive and set the tone for the dialogue and conversation. Republicans always try to play defense. And we're good at playing defense, but defense doesn't get you anywhere. You can't go down and actually score when you're always playing defense constantly. So the Democrats have taken hold of the conversation with Barack Obama sitting on CBS News and saying the most dangerous thing, the most thing, the biggest thing he's concerned about post being president, although well, that's questionable depending on how he's pulling the strings behind the closed doors right now. But the most dangerous part and the most fearful thing that he has is the lack of continuity between the media and the misinformation being out there. And oh, if we could only just consolidate news and information again. If something happens in the past, everybody could say, all right, we may disagree on how to solve it, but at least we all agree that, yeah, that's an issue. Now, people will say, well, that didn't happen, (laughs) or I don't believe that. And one of, I think, the goals of the Obama Foundation and and one of the goals of my post-presidency is how do we return to that common conversation? <laughs> well, how do you return to that common conversation? You get rid of the lies and misinformation out there because right now you still have Adam Schiff who just made a, an official statement saying that, well, yeah, we're going to embrace the Mueller investigation. 100% proof positive of that collusion. The Durham investigation? Eh. You are fake news. Kind of weird stuff. Let's get into what's trending. What do you say? What's trending today? With that power play and bringing out the big dog with Barack Obama into the mainstream again, because they have to do so whenever they start seeing a little uh, shakiness in the mainstream and their agenda and their policies. The question is, who's still at play with the Democrats and really on the Republican side as well? Who's at play going into the, the leaders of each party, the 2024 presidential election? Who's dominating the dialogue. Excited to have on the program to talk about some of this and so much more. He's author of the book From Immigrant to Public Intellectual, An American Story. It's good to have back on the program, Mr. Murray Sabrin. Murray, how are you, my friend? It's great to be with you, Andy. Yeah, it's it's good to have you on the program. This is interesting information, is it? And, and I want to tie it into kind of what we wanted to bring you on here for with this presidential election next year. But it seems like right now the media, the Democrats, everybody's in disarray. We have two conflicting reports on the future of Donald Trump and the history of Donald Trump, and no one can seem to agree on anything. Well, uh, let me step back a little bit. Uh, When Trump uh, was accused of Russian collusion uh, at the end of the 2016 campaign and into his presidency in 2017, he made a tactical error. What he should have said to the American people, he he should have had an address to the American people from the Oval Office and said, listen, there's, there's allegations, serious allegations, that I collude with a foreign government in order to uh, win this election. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to appoint uh, the constitutional expert, um, Alan Dershowitz, who is a Democrat who voted for Hillary Clinton, to head up a commission. And in six months, if they find out there's rush collusion with me or my campaign, I will resign. And all the people that are making those allegations in the Congress, if, if, if there's no rush collusion, they should resign. Checkmate Donald Trump against the Democrats. Mm, that would have been interesting. Now, the question is, I mean, Hillary Clinton has been shown to lie time and time and time again. And now we know that she presented this to the FBI falsely. We yep. know the FBI was yep. corrupt in accepting it falsely and knowing that under that duress. And we have elected officials like Adam Schiff who push for the impeachment of a former president now uh, with this information. Is anything going to come of this? Are we going to see any type of punishment from these individuals? 
unfortunately, I think the American people are so cynical about what goes on in Washington. That they, they're probably, uh, in general, the American people are probably saying, what else is new in Washington? There's corruption and lying going on in Washington. How shocked <laughs> I am that that's happening. And so th- this is why we have to keep the pressure on and really call for something that some people think is an oxymoron, good government. I mean, the problem with people in power, and I've been watching this for nearly for more than 60 years since the Kennedy-Nixon campaign and, and, and every administration since then, is that people constantly lie in Washington. And uh, that's why I'm not optimistic about political solutions to what's affecting the American people. I think we need grassroots solutions, whether it's education, housing, energy, transportation, Healthcare. We need to stop relying on the federal government and state governments and, and construct institutions locally. And most of them are in place already. It's just a matter of the American people waking up and say, "Enough is enough. Just cut our taxes and let us spend our money the, we, the way we see fit. And don't bother us with all your regulations and mandates and lockdowns. Let us leave, live our lives the way the founders wanted us to live our lives as free and peaceful individuals." Amen to that. I am right there with you on that. We want the government to just stay out of our business. And I think that's why Donald Trump had such a big draw was because he was from the outside and he went in and didn't follow the rules. He called people out. He overturned the tables in D.C. And whether people even liked his policies or not, the fact that he shook up that establishment that just does everything behind the smoke, you know, behind the closed doors and the smoke filled cigar rooms. And they lied to us about what's actually going on. They like the fact that things were coming to light in D.C., and I think that's why he still got support the way he does, isn't it? Yeah, uh, he could he could take his message, if he has this message, which I've been promoting for over 50 years now, is government spends too much, they regulate too much, they get us involved in other people's businesses around the world, we have these endless wars, we need a restructuring of the federal government that we have to start today, because if we don't, we're going to have a major financial crisis down the road, and if, it, if we do have it, it's because both parties have been spending, like, pardon the expression, drunken sailors, and we need to get our financial house in order. We need to stop printing money endlessly by the Federal Reserve and uh, make sure that businesses have the freedom to do what they do best, which is provide goods and services that the American people want. Yeah, amen to that. Let's look at the future of politics right now. Let's go into election season. I know it's a little far out, but it's uh, people are already starting to announce. We've had Donald Trump obviously announce and Joe Biden announced with other ones lingering in the shadows from both sides of the aisle. With this news coming to light now with the Durham investigation, I think it strengthens, obviously, the stance of Republicans defending Donald Trump, which three-quarters of the party already say they want him to be the nominee again. On the other hand, Joe Biden is the first to announce where not as many, only about a third of the Democrat Party actually want Joe Biden to be the nominee for the Democrat side. So in that state of politics as we are right now, do you see them actually being the candidates, or do you see someone else coming up from either side? Well, I, I've been on record on my Substack column, murraysaverin.substack.com. If I were a betting man, I would bet the ranch that uh, Joe Biden will not be the Democratic nominee for a very simple reason. Uh, anything can happen from now till the convention next summer in, in Chicago, and his cognitive decline will probably continue. His health may be in jeopardy also. And uh, the Democrats, I don't think, would want to take a chance with Joe Biden on the debate stage in the fall of 2024, uh, fumbling throughout, through his uh, debate. So I think what's going to happen is I think he will drop out. The insiders will go to him and say, Joe, thank you for your service, but it's time that we have another candidate. And I think they'll pick Gavin Newsom for the simple reason. 
him being from California, that means Kamala Harris can't be on the ticket because she's from California. You can't have a president and vice president of California. This way they get rid of two birds with one stone. By getting rid of Joe, they get rid of Kamala, and Gavin Newsom will pick a woman, and the Democrats will try to ride Gavin Newsom to the White House. But I think that's going to be a tough sell, given the state of California, what San Francisco looks like, what Los Angeles looks like. But I think that's the game plan Hillary Clinton, I think, is kaput because of uh, her uh, lying during the uh, 2016 campaign. And right now, with the Trump has just about locked up the Republican nomination, but it's still a long way from May of 2023 till the summer of 2024. But it um, looks like today Trump will get the nomination. I think there will be major, major sympathy for him because of this uh, report that Durham put out, which to me, this is more devastating than Watergate. And those of us who have lived through Watergate saw that the corruption that was going on in Washington that caused the president to resign in August of 1974. This I think just blows uh, Obama and, and Biden out of the water and the FBI and the CIA and all the corrupt people that I've seen over my lifetime go to Washington and be nothing but self-serving uh, uh, fans of uh, big government. Yeah, that is very true. It's very interesting on the timing of how this is released. Like you said, as we gear up for the presidential race and Hillary Clinton wanting to throw her name back into it because she feels she's entitled to that seat. Yep. I think this report, even if the media and many Democrats try to put the blinders on and ignore it, I think that she is too much of a liability after this, showing what she did to try and steal the last one. And I, I think the party's going to try and shy away from her and, uh, like you said, try and knock her off of that potential presidential list. Well, I think what the Republicans should do, the, the uh, Republican National Committee should start putting ads on TV all across the country saying, are you, are, do you trust these people who've been lying and, and accusing falsely of of a president, a presidential candidate, and then a president of being an agent of a foreign government, shame on them. The Durham report proves conclusively that these people are congenital liars, and just leave it at that. That would be really interesting. So now we have Hillary Clinton off the mark. Like you said, if they nominate someone like Gavin, which Gavin Newsom is an extremely unpopular governor outside of the state of California, do you, you think yes. that he's actually the best chance for their nominee? Well, it's hard to say who they have because they have such a weak bench. Is Bernie Sanders <laughs> going to come back? Is those that aren't going to come back? I mean, these are people that are so out of it in terms of policy that uh, would they take a chance of it? Now, Wall Street doesn't want Elizabeth Warren. They don't want Bernie Sanders. But um, who else could they pick? I mean, it shows you the the the, uh, the problem with American politics. There are not people of substance and um and loyalty to the Constitution that that are running for office on the Democratic side because that that, yeah. that uh, horse left the bond decades ago and so now the Republicans have have to really save us from uh, what could be happening if the, the Democrats get hold of uh, the White House again. Yeah, well, and they've isolated themselves. They've kept a new uh, new blood coming into the party, which because they've wanted that old guard to remain in power. Murray, we got to take a break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Sure, I'm no problem. Awesome, I love it. Lots more coming up here. Stay right here on the Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Andy Hoosier here, reminding you not only can you listen to The Voice of Reason on your favorite radio station, but also check out the video of the program on TV and online. We're excited to be working with our partners over at OpsLens to bring The Voice of Reason live every day on their website at OpsLens.com, on the OpsLens app that you can download on any of your smartphones, or on any of the OpsLens social media. It's a great network that broadcasts multiple shows promoting truth, reason, and common sense, reaching thousands of viewers every day, all day long. Plus, while you're there, you can always watch some of the best highlights of the show during the weekends 
or read our latest opinion columns on topical issues of the day. Also, if you want to interact with me during the program, just leave a comment on their social media or the OpsLens app stream. You can always join the live chat rooms, or if it's easier, just email me at network at gmail.com. Again, that's network at gmail.com. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Why? Because it's time for you to be your own voice of reason in your own community. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Boy, what a day it has been for sure. Welcome back into The Voice of Reason. Reason, common sense, rationale, trying to bring some common sense back into the conversation, which is a very difficult thing to do, and apparently we're in the minority for trying to do so. But yet, here we are, fighting that good fight each and every day. Outside of the Durham issue, which obviously is the biggest thing that we've seen Lately, as we look at the state of both parties going into a major election season next year, there's other issues which uh, right now we're hanging out with Murray Saber, and I'll throw the book the immigrant, uh, From Immigrant to Public Intellectual. As we look at the outlook of the parties, the potential nominees going into this one, outside of the scandals and the corruption of the politics, we have other issues that affect, I think, the general public more so that they're more concerned about, which is the economy and the inflation and the Title 42 ending and the immigration crises going on at the border. And there's only so many ways for the Democrats and for the Biden administration to lie and twist it and say that Republicans actually wanted the open border policy, which is weird because they've never said that in their entire life until it actually is happening now. And then somehow it's Donald Trump's fault. It's our fault for not negotiating with the debt ceiling, which Joe Biden just posted about four hours ago on his Tweety about the debt ceiling debate that's, uh, we have, what, about two weeks left before we have to figure that one out. America cannot default on its debt. If we're to do that, it'll be catastrophic. It would be devastating for America and, quite frankly, the whole world. It'd be a recession. We'd find that everything was changed. Our economy would really crater. It really would have a profound impact on how we live our lives. We'd find ourselves in a position where we no longer were viewed as a leader of the world economically. And we can't let that happen. It's beyond comprehension. No serious person in either party has ever thought this was an option. <laughs> I have to laugh just watching the video as a video editor myself. They chop from two angles of a camera every single sentence because he probably stumbled his way through it so badly they had to do some splicing to make it look accurate. So they went from one camera shot to another. Murray, your thoughts on that one? I mean, this is the desperate attempt for them to act like they care about the economy when they're unwilling to negotiate with anybody on this issue, making them look all the worse going into election season. It's amazing that people aren't picking up what Biden and uh, Secretary of the Treasury Yellen is, are saying, namely that if the debt ceiling isn't raised, the U.S. economy is going to crater. What that means is that we have a socialized economy dependent upon government spending and government debt to keep the economy afloat. This, this, is, this is a disaster. And so what, what I proposed uh, on my Substack column is that uh, get, let's get rid of the debt ceiling and concentrate on the real issue, which is government spending. Across the board, let's look at all the programs that the government has been spending on that are not authorized by the Constitution. That's the crisis we have in this country that nobody in Washington has brought up in my lifetime. We are spending money that is not legal. 
And so that is the issue. People have taken the oath of office to uphold the Constitution, whether it's the president, the vice president, the members of Congress, the members of the cabinet, and they're all acting unconstitutionally. So I say, let's get rid of the charade of this debt ceiling uh, fiasco, and let's address the real issue, which is what should government be spending on in a free society in order to have secure borders, a uh, uh, military that can defend us if we're attacked, God forbid, and uh, let the rest of the economy depend upon voluntary exchange called free market, free enterprise. That's what creates prosperity, not government debt and government spending. Yeah, what a concept there is there. we got just about a minute left here, Maria, but uh, on the topic of the potential candidates going into the 2024 race, obviously you mentioned Gavin Newsom being one of the top candidates there, which I agree. I don't know how he's going to get it, uh, but I agree that that could potentially be it. What about this new Kennedy guy rising up and challenging the Bidens and actually sounding like the old school Democrat Party, the JFK style Democrats of saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't socialize anything. Does he have a future in the Democrat Party right now? Well, if he's pulling at 20 percent now and the media have been shutting him out, if he gets his message across about lockdowns, about COVID, about the vaccine, about all the damage that the federal government has done, I think he's going to get a lot of traction because there are a lot of independents that are fed up with what's going on in Washington, that are fed up with what's happened to their kids during the lockdowns. What we've had in America for the last three years is unthinkable a few years ago, and yet the government did these lockdowns that have caused irreparable damage to a lot of kids and hurt the economy, especially small business owners. And um, as someone who has been talking about limited government and civil liberties and free enterprise for decades, this has been the, the, the worst period in my lifetime being an American. And I wish the people in Washington would would think clearly about what they've done and move us forward by having the the dedication to the principles that founded this country. Yeah. Well, that would consist of them actually using their brains and thinking logically on a lot of issues, and that's a very challenging thing for many in Washington, D.C. But we'll see what the future actually holds, and I'd love to see that style of Democrat come back up. I could support that because we could actually have a dialogue and conversation. Again, it's Murray Sabrin, author of the book the From Immigrant to Public Intellectual. An American story. Murray, it's great to get you back on the program again, my friend. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, Andy. Pleasure. Take care now. Absolutely. You as well. We'll do it again. Until then, podcast up in a little bit. Tuesday's all done. We're back at it again tomorrow for a Wednesday. Until then, this is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.